Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we pick up all the bits from the cutting room floor that didn't make it into our sermons and break them down. And today we're looking at the sermon, Theatre of the Universe. Hi, my name is Christopher, and ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat, because today we have two very special guests with us. Returning is co-host Mr. Michael Godfrey. Hey, everyone. And we have our uh, preacher for the day, Mr. Jesse Marks. Hello, guys. Now, I'm trying to figure out how long has it been since we've had each of you on an episode. Do you remember the last episode you were in, Michael? Uh, I think it was a, it was only a couple of weeks ago. It was the one where uh, we recorded remote. Um, you, Mitchell was on it. We discussed innocent bystanders. That's it, innocent bystanders. Good thumbnail that one. Link in the description below. <laughs> and I think Jesse, the last one we had you on for was with Colin. Yeah. We haven't had one of your sermons for quite a while. I remember the last one we've had with you was your uh, the Valentine's Day special that we did. So, classic, classic episode. So, it's good to be able to do another sermon, well, to be able to discuss another sermon that you've presented. Uh, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to what we got in, in store. Well, let's get right into the recap. But just before we do, if you haven't watched Theatre of the Universe... Make sure to go to the link below and come back here later, because this podcast is full of spoilers. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into our quick recap. Jesse, what was your sermon all about? Sure. So, essentially, my sermon followed the theme of the Great Controversy. And for those who don't know, essentially, it's what the Great Controversy is, is a spiritual battle that's going on here on Earth between Christ and Satan. Now, mm. this, this all started in heaven when this angel called Lucifer rebelled against God and God's government and became Satan, or the enemy of God. And he attacked really three main um, different areas to do with God. He attacked God's character, the fact that God is love. He attacked God's law and he attacked God's government. And really, these three areas are the heart of the conflict or the controversy. And essentially, after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden, forbidden fruit here on earth... It sort of brought the conflict right down here to earth, and it became the center stage, if you will, for this great controversy. And what I kind of focused in, focused in on was around the verse of 1 Corinthians 4.9, where Paul talks about us being a spectacle to men and angels. It kind of involves the idea of us being like this, as the sermon suggests, the theater of the universe. We are the center conflict. Um, and I just explored the idea of the earth being this theory of the universe and what that means for us today. Awesome. Yeah, it's a really cool concept. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I really found it interesting. <laughs> so guys, so what did you think? Well, yeah, I thought I thought it was really interesting. It's not a topic that I've heard a whole lot about. Mm. I thought the way that you started was uh, was was really interesting. You started by talking about um, it was it was that um, what do they call it? A hook? Interesting hook that you did at the beginning where you yeah. talk about all of the theatres on Earth and you say, well, look at the Colosseum and look at the... Um, oh, what did you talk about? Did you talk about the Globe Theatre? Um, the MCG? Yeah. Uh, you talked about a whole lot of different theatres on Earth and you were um, basically just 
making the point that Earth has some amazing theatres, but um, the Earth itself is the theatre of the universe. You mm-hmm. learn into that. And then um, it was really interesting. Um, what, what stood out to me was, uh, yeah, just what you said about how we're basically being watched by angels and by men um, as well, and we're mm-hmm. the, not the centre of the universe in a heliocentric kind of, um, oh, sorry, geocentric kind of, um, you know, it's all about me, prideful, selfish kind of way. Mm. It's it's not so much that we um, have all this glory um, ourselves. It's that we have the kind of responsibility um, of of upholding the person that we serve, which is God. That was really cool. So, yeah, really, really good job bringing that out. No, awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I really like the... I find what I find interesting is the great controversy basically brings together the whole narrative of the Bible really. It's it's kind of like you have an incomplete picture without this this great controversy theme. And you find so many answers to different questions in understanding it. Like why does God permit evil and suffering and why is you know, all, all these big existential questions are answered in the great controversy. And so I really appreciate it when um, that theme is unpacked because I feel like too often you hear sermons being preached but not within this context and so it doesn't have the same impact because you don't understand the overarching story that we're in essentially Um, and you don't quite get the gravity of the idea that we are basically on this stage for the universe, um, as the that verse in Corinthians says, for men and angels, we're being watched. And so, uh, as you said, Michael, there's that great responsibility that comes with that. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that idea and that concept, being able to play around with that. And I, I think one of my favorite uh, things you did was introduce us to all these modern day theaters or, and, and throughout history as well. And then when grabbing that verse from Paul, displaying how Paul was trying to convey to his audience how they were like gladiators in this uh, Colosseum fighting. And I, I don't know, that that really worked for me. I really liked that, uh, that, that mental image. It really kind of... Fighting the good fight, exactly. Like, it really uh, brought it all together for me. And no, I really enjoyed it. Ah, awesome. Nah, that's good. Let's keep the ball rolling. Let's go to our segment, The Drawing Board. Michael, what is The Drawing Board? Well, The Drawing Board is where we discuss these sources, inspirations and goals of the sermon in order to better understand it. Cool. Yeah, well, I'll keep things very simple for the sources. I really only had two sources for the the sermon, the Bible and the book, The Great Controversy. Now, yeah, so seriously, if if you want to read more about The Great Controversy, get the book, The Great Controversy, man, it delves into so much. So as far as inspiration, probably, as well, I would probably go back to the book, The Great Controversy, as well. <laughs> yeah, it is an amazing book. It really just unravels, it, yeah, delves into the Bible and just unravels uh, so much of this spiritual battle going on behind the scenes. So yeah, um, inspiration-wise, source-wise, yeah, Bible and Great Controversy. Awesome. And so were you, was this a topic that you chose or was this one um, kind of given to you? How did you come about choosing this topic specifically? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, at the church I was preaching at, 
that we're going through a series of just fundamental beliefs of the Bible at our church. And one of the topics was the Great Controversy. So I was actually very lucky enough to get this topic because, in my personal opinion, it's probably one of the, the better topics. Putting this together, researching it, and yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I'll tell you what, like, I'm surprised at how, e- like, with how with such ease you were able to create such a concise and coherent message about such a pervasive and huge topic, really. Like, when I was thinking about it and I knew you were doing the Great Controversy, I was thinking, man, that's a huge topic to take on and tackle, but... That's a very good point. Yeah, because it's like, there are so many directions you can go, but I really liked the perspective you brought out because it was kind of... It was basically giving the whole narrative and the whole uh, impact of the of the great controversy, but without like waffling on, it was just like boom, boom, boom. Here's a sermon. <laughs> Shake your hand at the door. <laughs> it was. I when I was um, when I watched it and I realized it was only uh, like not even twenty five minutes. I was thinking, man, short and sweet, but there's just so much that you packed into it. Yeah, it was really good. It's kind. Of, I guess, kind of like the skeleton of the great controversy. Sort of like it touches everything, but it's just like the main sort of sort of the... Right, right. And so I suppose when you go back and read the Bible and you see that theme in action, that would be the meat that kind of fills that skeleton that you provided in the sermon. Awesome. All right, well, let's get right into the main meat of our podcast, The Cutting Room Floor. Michael, what is The Cutting Room Floor? The Cutting Room Floor is the segment where we discuss the parts of the sermon that didn't quite make it into the final product and break them down. Sweet. All right, Jesse, in this huge, great controversy ideas that is all throughout the Bible, (laughs) what did you decide to cut out and leave? Well, I really, really wanted to include it, but time just did not permit. I I thought the story of the demoniac was a better illustration. But what I'm talking about is Revelation 12, which is the story of the dragon, the woman, and the child. A very, very cool story. In the book of Revelation. So, <clears throat> um, it's, I won't read the whole chapter, but essentially, it starts off by talking about this dragon who is enraged with this woman who's about to have a child. And the child is born, and the chapter describes this child as having like a rod and iron to rule the nations. And we should mention this is within uh, the context of biblical prophecy for our listeners at home. So, all, all the all the ideas and symbols and imagery is symbolic of something literal. Exactly. But there's no literal dragon. <laughs> yeah, which which you hear from time to time, but no. Oh, yes. <laughs> but no. So, essentially, you have this story. Um, also, what I love about the Bible is it explains itself, itself a lot of the time. So, if you go down to Revelation 12, verse 9, it actually tells you who this dragon is. The devil and mm. Satan, which is interesting. Because what see, what I love about Revelation, it's pretty much the book to go to in the Bible when you want the great controversy theme. It's yeah. kind of like the behind the scenes of a movie, if you will. And it's also the, the climax as well. Exactly, yeah. It kind of pulls back the curtain on what you see. Like, for example, if you remember the story in the Gospels when Jesus was being born, and Herod wants to kill all the babies to pretty much eradicate Jesus. You essentially find this story in Revelation chapter 12, which is really interesting. Because if you apply biblical prophecy principles, you can determine that this boy in um, in Revelation 12 is actually the Messiah. 
It's actually a direct quote from Psalm 2, I believe, where it talks about the Messiah having a rod of iron. So automatically you see that this child born... By the way, I should also mention the church is a symbol for... The woman, sorry, is a symbol for the church in the book of Revelation. So the church has Jesus. Jesus gets caught up to heaven. And what do you find the devil trying to do? To kill the child. Which is interesting Mm. because in the Gospel of Mark and Matthew and Luke, it's Herod trying to kill the child. But this gives us a really cool insight that really Satan was behind this attempt at Jesus' life, which is really Mm. interesting, I think. It reminds me, it reminds me of that verse uh, in Ephesians 6.12. I'll just read that out for the listeners at home. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So it's kind of, as you were saying, this idea, it may appear that we're up against rulers and authorities and human... Uh, human powers, but behind that human power is a spiritual power. And as we see in that story, the the, uh, the dragon, devil, is the, Satan, is behind the power of Herod, who's a human. Yeah, so that, that's that's what I love. And all throughout the book of Revelation, you sort of, you've got to put in the time and effort to study it a little bit, but it gives you such great insights. So I really wanted to include it, but yeah, I thought the story of Mark just gave a, a more personal I guess, application to the great controversy, and I felt led better to the application, so, yeah. I think it works because you you spoke about the big picture with Lucifer, and then you gave, as you said, a more personal ground-level look at the great controversy um, through the story of the demoniac, because that's really what it is. The demoniac is more, it's a more intimate story, and Revelation 12 is, again, this huge, like, big scale, like, there's war in heaven, and... There's a dragon and all this sort of stuff, so I think you made a good call there. Yeah, exactly. If you wanted to cover Revelation 12 in addition to, <laughs> then you would have been talking for another 15 minutes at least. There's oh, just yeah. too much to cover. Exactly. <laughs> you can't do it quickly. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, yeah. you've got to explain every symbol and every where the time period is. And then you want to go back to Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. <laughs> Very nice. So, yeah, definitely recommend going back to Revelation 12. Lots of good stuff sure. there. Um, let's see. I also wanted to include a little bit of the idea of, um, siding in this conflict, because like it is a conflict, there are two sides. So how do you determine whose side you're on and so on and so forth? So one of the verses I wanted to include was Matthew 12 Mm. verse 30. So maybe if we could all turn to that and we'll read that out for our audience at home. Uh, New King James, it says, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather me scatters abroad. Awesome. So, yeah, it, really interesting so verse. That would be Jesus talking. That would be Jesus talking. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so um, it's. I find it really easy to think. Like, if you don't choose a side, our society calls it sitting on the fence. You're kind of like right. not really with anyone. Um, you're just kind of like in the middle, still deciding. But this actually blows that out of the, the ballpark, really. Pretty much, Jesus is saying that you're either with me, but if you're not with me, you're actually against me. So, I'm like, really? Wow, that's really interesting, isn't it? I mm, think, yeah. And that's that's not an isolated occurrence. That's a recurring theme, um, at least is. in the Gospels. Something Jesus says quite a bit, doesn't he? It is, yeah. Just this whole idea of, okay, if you're not with me, you're against me. But what I find interesting, mm. 
especially in Matthew 12, verse 30, it's in the context of demonian, uh, demon possession, which is interesting. Like, if you're not with Jesus, you don't have his, his protection, his love guarding over your life. It kind of leaves you open to, I guess, Satan in a way. Not necessarily demon possession, but like, there is a battle going on. And we'll continue to discuss this, but yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, you're with Jesus or you're not with him. Yeah, it's true. We do have this fallacy in our mind that we can sit on the fence. I heard this uh, this good story to illustrate it. Uh, I think it was in World War One. This man, he was afraid to go into battle. And so he came up with an idea of how to escape uh, getting killed. He wore the uh, shirt of his uh, of his allies and then he wore the pants and their colors of the of his enemies mm. and so he figured hopefully if anyone sees me hopefully they'll either see my shirt and go he's an ally or see my pants and go he's an ally or they'll look at me and see all of me and go I got no, no idea what he is and just leave me alone anyway this big battle happens the smoke clears the gunfire stops, and as they're taking the bodies of their fallen comrades, they find this man who's wearing different shirt and shorts. And in his shirt, he has a bullet from his enemies, and in his pants, he has a bullet from his friends. <laughs> and it was it's all illustrating this idea. You can't decide to take a middle ground. Mm. There is no putting your feet in both camps. It's either you're with me or you're against me. And, like, we see that illustrated in, um... Oh, I forget. It's in the later chapters of Matthew, I think it is, when Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats. You know, there's no middle party there. There's no, um... sitting on the fence. You're either with the sheep or with the goats. That's it. Yeah, right. Even if you think of, like, all the stories of the Old Testament prophets, uh, like Joshua and Elijah, there's, like, this recurring theme of, choose you this day, who will you serve, you know? Is it God, or is it Baal? Is it God, or any other pagan god? Or is it your desires, or whatever you establish as an idol, you know? It doesn't necessarily have to be a graven image, it can just be something that you esteem in a higher position than God, you know? What is it going to be? Because um, if God isn't the priority in our lives, we have made a choice there. In in not choosing God, you do make a choice. And so uh, it is a sobering thought for us to think about, and it, it is definitely relevant to this whole idea of a big spiritual battle. Um, you know what I've always thought about Satan? Uh, he, to me, he's kind of like a little bratty kid. <laughs> Um, here's, here's my logic. I remember in primary school, if ever I got in trouble, I didn't want to go down alone. So I'd always say, oh, well, miss, so-and-so also did that, or he told me to, or he was talking as well, because no one likes to be in trouble by themselves. <laughs> and so, kids, they they always try and drag other people into mm. their problems so that they don't feel as alone. And it's almost like, I think, I think, I'm not sure, maybe Satan is still deluded into this idea that he can possibly win. But even if he doesn't believe that, um, even if he thinks he can still win, 
he's basically trying in this war almost to spite God. He knows he's going down, and so he's saying, Oh, well, if I'm going down, look at all these other people in your creation who have also done the wrong thing, you know? You have to punish them as well, not just me. And he reminds me of that primary school kid trying to drag other people into his problems. And even remember how he is described in Revelation 12, um, when all of heaven is uh, rejoicing that Satan has been kicked out? Do you remember the label given to him? He's referred to as the great accuser. Uh, yeah, the right. accuser of the brethren. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And then when you go to verse 12, it says, For the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Because he knows that he has a short time. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like that, for he knows he has a short time. So to me, it kind of reiterates that point of, he knows he's only got so long, so he's just going to drag as many people down with him, just to spite God, you know? And all throughout the Bible, you see it. The book of Job, the first chapter is all about God accusing Job. Uh, you read in Jude, um, he contends over the body of Moses and says... You can't resurrect him. He was just as corrupt and sinful as anyone else. You just see Satan accusing all throughout the Bible. Even tempting other people to accuse as well, which is interesting. Like the Pharisees, mm. for example, always accusing. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting, hey, at the Garden of Eden, as soon as Adam and Eve get caught, what do they do? They accuse. They accuse each other. Yeah. yeah. They accuse each other. Yeah, Adam goes, well, God, uh, I, it was Eve. And then Eve goes, uh, it was a snake. And the snake's just like, I don't know. <laughs> whoops, whoops, guess. And that's, that's where he, that's where it all started, you know? So yeah, definitely this big recurring theme. Also, what I find really interesting about the great controversy is even in like in the secular world, it's still in a way kind of prevalent. Like, you look at so many movies, yeah, good it's good versus evil, and often we always love the good to win, but like, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, pretty much every mm. genre, it's always good versus evil. It's kind of like ingrained yeah, into Yeah, left side, dark side. Mm. Like, uh, for example, a new, a new movie, Wonder Woman, that kind of deals with these themes a little bit, which is interesting. It's kind yeah. of like Zeus creating people in the image of God, and then... If they start doing evil, how does that reflect back on the creator, Zeus? Which is kind of like, it's interesting, because the Bible, in a similar way, puts that forward. Because mm. I've, yeah. always, I've always thought about oh, definitely. like Satan's strategy when it comes to accusing humans. I mean, like, humans were created in the image of God. So if humans, us, we lie, we steal, we even murder, what does that say about our creator? I mean, like... To the rest of the universe, it's crazy. Mm. So, Satan's strategy and, and tempting us to do evil. So, no, I thought that was really interesting. That's a massive point that you brought in your sermon. The um, the idea of, of Christians upholding the Creator and um, acting on behalf of the Creator. And when other people look at us, um, we are representing God. And um, if, yeah, like you were saying, if Christians, and, and obviously we're all sinners, and if Christians don't uphold that, um, that character that everyone's expecting, then it does reflect poorly back on God. So that was, mm. yeah, that was a big mm. point you brought out about us and watching our behavior and watching what we do. Yeah. Because we are um, being watched. 
Exactly. It brings it into a whole new perspective. What are you what are your thoughts, Chris? Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh throughout our history as humanity we have done a pretty dodgy job of uh representing God and his character. I would agree. Very true. Like, overall, when you look back at human history, the majority of it's just filled with pain and death and suffering, and let's face it, like, most of it is self-inflicted. You know, you hear often that Satan tempts people and all this sort of stuff, but sometimes Satan doesn't even have to. You read in uh, James 1 that uh, each person is led by their own desires. Those desires lead to sin, and sin leads to death. And it's a scary thought to think that just from within yourself it's 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 a you're a walking contradiction because as a human being you have the desire for self-preservation and to uh, survive and yet your sinful nature also is trying to drive you towards death <laughs> and so you're facing this inward struggle um, of your sin leading you to death but your survival instincts going uh, no probably don't and that's the path we often want to take the most. It's it's the easiest one. Like, uh, think here we go, another example of no uh, middle ground. Um, Jesus tells that parable, and he says, uh, you know, the good uh, take the narrow road, but wide is the road that leads to destruction. Again, two groups. There's no middle ground there. And so you see that the narrow road is more difficult to take, but the wide road that's nice and easy, it's a bit of a walk, it's a bit of a breeze, leads to destruction. So it, it, it all comes back to, I think a lot of the time, what do you value more, your eternal inheritance or immediate gratification? And we actually talk about that a bit in episode four, Buy High, Sell Low, um, featuring uh, James Sullivan link in the description below make sure you check out that one that was where we explored that a bit further this idea um and i think it'll be it'll be good to if you haven't listened to that one it'll be good to go back and listen with this context of the great controversy now in mind and the spiritual battle for sure it kind of leads into another point i wanted to make i kind of wanted to look at the story of joe but do a 180 flip on it and just kind of explore the idea what if joe actually cursed god what if he didn't, uh, I guess, represent God's character and, and stay faithful to God. What if he didn't do mm. that and Satan won mm. in the end? So I was like, yeah, what what implications would that have? It's kind of like Job, in a sense, firing a, a fiery arrow at God's character in a way. I mean, God was putting a lot on just one man. Like, you read in Job, like, the Council of the Sons of God, whatever that was, Obviously, a council in heaven has to be some kind of a big deal. And yeah, if Job mm. messed up, wow. And it kind of makes me wonder, probably not, but what if you were in Job's position and unknowingly you were at the center of the controversy, which we know we are now. And then, yeah, everything was writing on you and you kind of messed up. Like, it, yeah, once again, that's the idea of our actions matter in this life and what we do affects more than our own lives. It affects... Mm, yeah. Definitely. So no, I thought that was interesting. And I think... Um, I, I think, well, obviously it says in the Bible that God chose Job and that God saw Job and that God knew that Job would stay faithful to him, even though a lot of people, a lot of other people probably would not have, they probably would have failed. Mm. I always like uh, doing those kind of uh, 
mental exercises, what if this, what if that, um, yeah, the hypotheticals, I, I, I've done one, like, what if the prodigal son almost went home, but didn't actually go home, you know, he loses everything, because almost doing something isn't the same as doing it, so, that's it. Didn't for a sermon. <laughs> well, uh, I, <laughs> I have done a sermon <laughs> on that line before. Oh, my bad. Why didn't you remember it, Godfrey? It was only five years ago. Come on. <laughs> nah. Maybe we'll see that one on the podcast one day. But that, that's an old one. I'll I'll have to bring it out from the vault. Rehash it. Rehash it. That's it. Ooh, remastered in Blu-ray. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. No, but that's an interesting thought. What if Job, yeah, had given in? It um. Because a lot was, as you were saying, Jesse, this was a a big council was happening in heaven. So a lot was riding on Job actually pulling through. So definitely an interesting thought to think of and relevant for us to apply into our lives. Because uh, we are still in the middle of this spiritual battle. And yeah, it all comes down to how, we, how are we reflecting God's character. Mm. Yeah. Because, yeah, in a way, I guess we are all sort of in Job's position to an extent. So it's like, mm. yeah, interesting, very applicable. So, my next verse I wanted to look at was in 1 Peter. So, if we want to turn there, it's 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Okay, 1 Peter 5 verse 8, and it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Hmm. So, one of the classic go-to verses when it comes to the devil in the Bible just, yeah, this idea of the devil as like a roaring lion just looking around who he can devour. And I was I was thinking about this, and we're going to look at this verse later, but it kind of reminds me of the armor of God in a way. Because when you think of lions in the wild, what sort of animals do they usually go for? Do they usually go for the, the healthy and the strong, fully grown gazelle? Or... <laughs> No, they, yeah, good point. <laughs> they kind of go for the scrawny, the weak, the kind of young one that's back a little bit, a bit slow, and they kind of prance mm. on that one. I was like, yeah, that's... Where's that's... the challenge in that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Satan's not out for a challenge, he's just, he's the primary school kid, he's he's not afraid to do the cheater's way. The cheater. Easy pickings. The easy pickings. Yeah, that's it. So no, man, I was like, wow, that kind of applies to the Christian life as well. I mean, Satan's mm. going to go for the weak, unarmed Christian. The one who hasn't got the armor of God on. The one that doesn't yeah, pray and read the yeah. Bible. It's like, yeah, man. <clears throat> which kind of leads me into the next point, which is the armor of God. So, that is in Ephesians 6, chapter... Oh, sorry. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Paul's essentially describing, like, a Roman armor. Um, what a typical Roman soldier would wear armor-wise. So, belt... Um, helmet, breastplate, shield, um, shoes. So essentially, he, he links each one of these armor pieces to a Christian attribute. For example, the belt of truth or the breastplate of righteousness. And if you want, you can look it up yourself. But mm. it, I kind of want to wrap up here because it kind of leaves us with a, a good thing to go away with. So in this battle, in this controversy... How do we come out victorious? How do we defeat this roaring lion, the devil, seeking us out, essentially, trying to destroy us? And Paul puts it plainly, we've got to put on the armor of God. We've got to, we've got to pray to 
put in those righteous characteristics on us. And But essentially, the main two things are our weapon. What's our weapon in this battle? And that comes out the sword of the spirit, which is the sword word of the God. spirit. Exactly. Uh, also, right. also, also, what I I think some people miss is a little bit under that. He's also got praying always and supplication, because I think prayer mm-hmm. is a part really of the spiritual battle. Because that's really what's gonna stop the devil in the end. It's not by our might or power. It's by God and through His Word and um, through prayer. I mean, that's that's how Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness, quoting the Word and connecting with God in prayer. So I thought, yeah, if it's if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Alright, so Jesse, do you have any recommended readings for our listeners back at home? Yeah, I guess I already said them, eh? But um, once again, The Great Controversy book. So yeah, simply The Great Controversy by Alan White. A really, really great resource on this topic. And um, I really think you'll find it a blessing and very interesting. So yeah. Awesome. And also, uh, I suppose Revelation 12 and Ephesians 6, those uh, passages we didn't get to delve into in depth, but we mentioned here for sure go check those out uh, definitely. yeah definitely definitely encourage you guys to read them and, and try and study them study and look into especially that Ephesians passage all eight verses see how it all fits together definitely it's a fascinating awesome. topic so yeah indeed alright well Jesse where can these people find you sure you can find me on my YouTube channel in the description below simply Jesse Marks and Chris where can people find you they can find me here every week on the, or every fortnight rather, on the Afterson podcast and on my YouTube channel, Christopher Peterson, spelt with an S-E-N. And Mr. Michael Godfrey, where can these people find you? Oh, very easy. Michael Godfrey on YouTube. If you just go to the After Sermon podcast page, uh, it's linked in there. You'll be able to find it really easy. Beautiful. Too easy. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the After Sermon podcast today. Don't forget... The After Sermon Podcast is now available on more platforms than ever. We are on our YouTube channel, we're on SoundCloud, podcasts on iTunes, even Podbean apparently. That's a thing. So, make sure to check us out on all of those platforms, and check out our Facebook page while you're at it. That way, you can make sure to listen to the sermons before we release the podcasts on them a week in advance. That gives you a whole week to listen to a sermon, and then you know all about what we're talking about so you don't avoid oh, so you can avoid those spoilers make sure as well um, to like uh, to subscribe to us and follow us on all the different platforms we're on that way you make sure that you're kept up to date every time we release a new episode thank you so much for supporting us guys and for listening with us that concludes today's podcast we hope you've been blessed as we've discussed the theatre of the universe make sure to come back in a fortnight for another episode Well, we have two first-time guests with us. I don't think this has been done in the history of ASV. That's incredible. Two new guests. Definitely looking forward to having them guest on our show. Very exciting. And with that said, everyone, have a good one, and good good night. night.